Who am I? Why am I here? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Tear down this wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. From the Poli Sci History Suite at Beth University and the mean streets of Aiken, South Carolina, it's election shock therapy. We're in two places. We are <laughs> breaking the laws. We're of everywhere you need to be. That's Joining right. me on the podcast today are Andy Bramson, Matt Kukum, Sam Mulberry, and Pat Mitchell Crum. From South Carolina. Mitch, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm all right. It's great to be here. Although not quite here. Yeah, not here, but somewhere. <laughs> we're so all, we're, we're all on there? the internet together, aren't we? How much That's snow? Right. Come on, just rub it in. How much snow? Yeah, so there's no snow. We've seen no snow. Wow. Um, wow. And uh, it, it did get cold the other night, though. It got Ooh, down to like, 50? you know, 35 or something. Oh, 35. Oh, okay. So that's our, that's our was, high today. Thanks. Yeah, every, everybody was in their woolies. Oh, of course. It was very were. amusing to drive down the street yep. and see everybody yep. in scarves and hats. And, yep. Now, as but, someone who's recently come from the northern part of the country where we all still are, do you get to lord it over people there? Do you kind of just walk around in a t-shirt and just wave and smile? I, like, I do to some degree, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the other day, <laughs> actually, it was, I don't know, it wasn't that cold. It was probably it may have been in the 30s probably more like the 40s though and i was just walking across campus and um another faculty member that uh that i've start that i started to get to know actually basically accosted me and scolded me for not having a coat and probably <laughs> catching cold you'll you'll catch you, consumption you will die <laughs> it's very cold now for those of you who've only listened to our podcast in the last uh um six, seven, eight months or so, um, you may not be used to hearing Mitch's voice, but Mitch is um, a, a prior regular on this podcast. He um, was the predecessor to Matt in his role as, as political philosopher and American politics expert here at Bethel University. And um, so this is a little bit of a reunion of sorts, but it's also a reunion for the two of you guys. Yeah. Yep. We still try to keep up on a semi-regular basis uh-huh. and remember yeah. the, the good old days at, at IU. So bo- both Hoosier PhDs. <laughs> yeah, yep, something yep. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, neither one of us ever really figured out what a Hoosier was, though. So. No, I don't think sure no one knows. I grew up 10 miles from the Indiana border, and I've had multiple people try and explain to me that a Hoosier is just a person from Indiana. That's probably about right. the best. So right. it's, but then why do we call them that? It's a self-reflexive yeah. mascot. It's yeah. like we are right. our own mascot. Yeah. 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 Okay. Which is funny, right? Because, I mean, I also spent six years in Indiana, and in, like even their state – like motto is like the crossroads of america which always made me feel like so you're trying to get somewhere else like you don't want to be here <laughs> you want to be elsewhere exactly. like this is your how you think about yourself the motto, unless you're here at midnight and then you might meet the devil <laughs> the motto should just be you're not there yet yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep going i know and i always felt bad yep. i was like i like india that's kind of a nice place but why do you have such a sort of self-deprecating mo- mascot or a uh, motto so it's it's, <laughs> it's it's sort of the the state version of the houston texans it's like yeah, well they're yeah. from houston of course they're texans right. Like, right, that's just right. what they are. Except the Texans are a lot more like bullish about what that means. Like this is awesome. Whereas Indians are like, I don't know. I'm not sure what this is. Well, they, have <laughs> they have reason to be rather ambivalent. But I'm says so our local I'm Texan, our Texan on the podcast. Well, yeah. I mean, there was at one point I was at a conference. I guess it was a couple of years ago, and there were like two mats on the panel. 
Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And one was from out west, maybe California. No, it was Washington State, and I was from Indiana. And to differentiate the two, the person who was running the panel, the chair, was, you know, said Washington Matt and Hoosier Matt. I'm like, well, wow. you know, you've been in. Hoosier land far yep. too long when you yep. start, you know, a native Texan starts getting referred to as was, Hoosier Matt. So Hoosier. I'm like, I got to get out. Was this conference you were at a version of the, of like the bachelorette? Because what? it sounds Ooh. like Texas Matt and Indiana Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that? <laughs> when there are, when there are multiple yeah. bachelors or bachelorettes on oh, a okay. season and they have the same name, they often <laughs> distinguish them by appending their, their locale to their name. Boston Rob, for example. <laughs> Yes, yes. I don't know if I want to know how you know that. But. <laughs> I watch except TV for, sometimes. Except, except, except that's Sur- Survivor, not The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah Boston Rob was on was on Survivor. Yeah. Wow, and, and you know that <laughs> we've gone far. We've gone far afield. He, I, uh, I do. I, I mean, I, I remember at one point Garrett was saying he wanted to do a podcast on guilty pleasures, and you already kind of know what what one of mine would be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't actually uh, consume The Bachelor Bachelorette, but I am married to somebody who has in the past indulged, and so I'm aware of the the logistics of said television show. Apparently, it's still going strong from, from what I've heard. So. Huh? Wow. Good. I I hope they all find love. All right, so we're here to find love. <laughs> Their track record um, is not promising. We're here to find love yeah. in Nevada and South Carolina. So um, we're specifically excited to get Mitch on here because we are going to talk about the South Carolina primary that's coming up this Saturday. But before we do, guys, we have to hit the rewind button and talk a little bit about what happened in Nevada this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So, um, Andy, do you want to give us the rundown of what we know? The results are mostly in at this point, although Nevada has taken a more painstaking, protracted approach right. to disclosing their results. Thanks, I. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, a big win for Bernie Sanders. I think no matter how you how you slice it, um, he got a lot of the votes. He's getting most of the delegates. There aren't that many delegates, but he's getting most of them. Um, it, I guess, was a not terrible result for Joe Biden. He finished his second. Um, that's certainly but better a than he did in second. Iowa and New Hampshire, but a very distant second, and really pretty bad for everyone else. I mean, Amy Klobuchar's momentum is blunted at. at the, yes, the, clo- the Klobuchar charge has hit some sand. It's not charging anymore. Yeah, she's um, finished with four percent. Look weaker, as you you know, as people thought he would probably would. Warren did he not finished rebound. third. He was he was in neck and neck yep. for a while with Biden, but yep. Biden has clearly right. finished second. But nowhere near as well as he did in the previous two states, and he doesn't look terribly strong going forward. So. Um, I think it's weakening for everyone except Bernie Sanders. So it mm-hmm. kind of reinforces this narrative that Sanders is progressing. Once again, Bloomberg was not in that state. He's not going to be in South Carolina either. So we still don't have an actual mm-hmm. like electorate weighing in on Bloomberg um, data point. But yeah, for everybody else, I mean, it, it, it was a great night for Sanders, not so much for the rest. That's Should my take. I need to point out just uh, Nevada did a couple things to, to – um, shape the narrative, yep. but also to extend the race. Mm-hmm. So although Biden finished a distant second, we, know, we we knew he was gunning for South Carolina anyway. So right. he kind of punts on Nevada a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who were sort of looked like they were rising in New Hampshire, like Klobuchar, did poorly in Nevada. Yep. She got 4%. Buttigieg was somewhere in around 13%, I think. And then Warren... Uh, oof, uh, was in single digits. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tom Steyer actually finished fourth. So that's, yeah. that's enough to keep Tom Steyer going. And he's also qualified. He finished fifth. 
Or fifth, excuse fifth. me. You want to do the rundown real quick? Yeah, so Ber- Bernie came... I have the numbers here in front of me. Bernie uh, came in. This is this is the final vote, by the way, because you have an Ooh, initial right. wave in, yeah. in the caucus, right. and then those candidates who aren't viable, right. who don't meet the 15% threshold, um, their people are released to go support right. one of the viable candidates. Right. Um, so, so Bernie finished with 46.8%, um, but his first vote was 33. So he basically okay. wow. picked up okay. um, a pretty big chunk of big the people up. who were supporting... Second choicers. Yeah, the second choicers, mm-hmm. right? So Biden came in around 20, Pete um, around 14, Liz Warren um, just under 10, and Tom around 5, um, Tom Steyer. And then Klobuchar okay. four. Yeah, Klobuchar under that. Um, yeah. And, of course, some of these, you yeah. know, the lo- lower three, you know, candidates um, weren't viable in a lot of precincts. And so the people who benefited most um, right. from... Um, from you know the second choice yep. was, um, would be uh, Bernie and to a lesser extent uh, Biden, but right. Sanders certainly picked up the most in the second wave. Okay, so this is shaping up yeah. so far narrative wise to be um, Bernie's race to lose. Yep, is that yep. fair? Absolutely. Yep. And I think one of the other things that's really positive for him coming out of Nevada is. One of his concerns has been, can he appeal to non-white voters, right? I mean, Vermont mm-hmm. is very white. Um, that's Those are the people he's represented most of his life. And he did well in Nevada with non-white voters. He did well with Hispanics. He's He got a very solid percentage of African-Americans. He finished um, second behind Biden yep. African-Americans in, in yep. Nevada. And so those are, I mean, those are really good signs for him. If, mm-hmm. he, if he can extend that success, he is going to be very hard to beat. Um, for the nomination, obviously. Now, at this point, we've awarded a very small number of delegates overall. Yep. So, in a sheer scoreboard kind of way, this still looks like every, anybody's game. Absolutely. But in a media narrative version, obviously, a lot of the attention is on Bernie. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Donald Trump, the resumptive nominee of the Republican Party, begins to turn his attention, and boy will he, okay. uh, to uh, whoever he thinks is likely to win on the on the Democratic side. It's already started. He's already oh, yeah. started targeting yeah. Bernie Sanders. And, yeah. and, and then there's this weird feedback loop. One of <laughs> Amy Klobuchar's statements in her speech, where she tried to put a positive spin on her 4% finish, where she said, <laughs> hey, Donald Trump mentioned me in one of his speeches like that that's what you're going with you're going to sell yourself on um on Mm. donald trump is now paying a little bit of attention to you yeah put that trophy in your man okay um all right so we've got so this is the narrative now the media loves a comeback story the media loves a a good narrative like this hence club charge hence the club charge or the um uh the imbudijing um i don't know um (laughs) did you speak that up i sure did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but do um, do we think that this is is setting up Bernie for a fall in South Carolina? And maybe uh, Mitch, I should turn this over I to you. Say, let's go to our South Carolina. What do th- what are things looking like in South Carolina leading up to the debate and then um, debate tonight? Right? Yes, debate tonight, yeah, yeah, and then um, and then the the vote this weekend. Yeah, uh, I mean, right now it's it really is uh, very interesting. I think just to see whether whether Joe Biden is gonna is gonna hold on. Um, he still is polling uh, at least kind of okay. Um, Sanders has gained on him some, but he still looks he still looks pretty good. Right. And uh, you know, one of the um, one of the one of the interesting things is a num- I, I've talked with you know obviously I've got a very selective sample of folks that I'm talking to, right. um, and plenty of them. Are, are fans of are, are fans of 
um, other candidates. But, you know, you do kind of get the, the undertone that, you know, Biden is, is somebody who still has some strength here. Um, mm. you know, he's not, he's not ruled out by, by, by everybody. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be, you know, as you already said, the media loves the comeback story and it's sort of, you know, maybe Biden will be peaking just at the right moment here to hit Super Tuesday with some, with mm-hmm. some strength. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be, uh, interesting to see what happens tonight. I'm just, I, I, I kind of wonder if Bernie Sanders, um, hasn't already sort of figured that out and might, you know, might come ready to try to, try to get, try to get Biden somehow. Yeah. Well, and the other, and the other big thing related to that is, like, I mean, like last time, because Bloomberg was new to the debate stage, he got hit hard. Sanders didn't. And now that Sanders is even more clearly the front runner, I mean, do they all try to take on Sanders? I mean, because if you want yeah. to take Sanders if they're down, smart, they will. that window is closing fast. Yep. I mean, yep. tonight is a great opportunity. So, you know, they, they've been raising concerns like this guy's too extreme. He's not a good, you know, he's not somebody who can beat Donald Trump. You want to sell that, you better sell it soon or else I think the time for selling is going to be passed. Yep. Let, let me uh, let me ask the <clears throat> snotty IR guy question here. <laughs> Goody, do we have any data on how much debates matter? Obviously, if you are the former governor of Texas and you can't remember one of the three uh, national agencies that you would abolish when you become president, you that's a, said you that's a problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's, in general, do these shape people's opinion? It's it's so I'm going to be honest and say it's been a little while since I've looked at this literature. But if I remember correctly, the way that this usually shakes out in public opinion is basically they have a temporary effect mm-hmm. and then it mostly dissipates within a, a few days. So, okay. um, you know, obviously there obviously there are exceptions. Um, you know, there if, if there are massive blunders, you know, like the you know, Rick Perry's oops mm-hmm. um, or uh, um yeah, or, or Joe yeah, Biden if, walks if, out in a Mac, Make America Great Again hat or something like right, that. Right. Yeah. Oh, um, so you know, the, so there, so there, so there can be moments that are that are really uh, impactful, but for the most part, uh, you know, I, part part of the part of the problem. I mean, and this is this is just a problem for all the candidates and just for the primary process itself. I mean, is that you essentially, you know, you're. You're, you're you're always trying to get attention, but you're always mostly speaking to the people who are already paying attention. Right. Um, you have to be somebody who cares to tune in, but of course, the people who care the most are the people who are most likely to have already made up their mind. And yeah. so, you know, undecided voters are usually undecided because they're not paying attention because they're not <laughs> very likely to to tune That's in. True. So, you know, so you're kind of you know, it's obviously obviously it's important to have some of these at least some debates and have some public forums, but it, it really is unclear, um, you know, how much, how much they, how much they actually shape the outcomes in that, in that way. And it's hard to, to, you know, from Mm -hmm. a social science perspective to actually measure, you know, did this person's, you know, like bounce or dip, is that, you know, a result? Is there, you know, is there a causal connection between what Mm. happened to their polling numbers um, and their debate performance? And it's really hard to control for all the variables. I would say it's almost impossible. So I think you can look, you know, to certain instances where there was a clear screw up or, you know, a clear sort of stellar performance and see a dip or a rise and maybe say that there's, you know, some connection there. But, but, you know, most of most debates are are kind of, you know, you know, nothing burgers, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, most of the Democratic debates so far Mm -hmm. have been, you know, not super impactful um, in the long run. There's been a few little exceptions here or there, but um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, now that we have debates that are, you know, just prior to, 
um, actual primaries um, where, you know, the effective debate could bleed over into, right. you know, the actual voting period if it's going to make a difference. So if Bernie just gets absolutely hammered tonight and doesn't have any good responses, you know, maybe that would ding him a right. little bit in South Carolina to make a difference. And then the funny thing is, is, you know, in a lot of these, you know, races, well, I mean, we're not getting this so much in the in the, in the primaries, but but even a few percentage of points, you know, away from one candidate could you know shift it to another candidate, and that right. could make sure. a difference to the media narrative in the long run. Right, right. Yeah, that does seem to be the main impact is like the, insofar as it shapes the narrative, right? I mean, so you know, Rick Perry's oops was yeah. disastrous because it it reinforced this perception of him as not very articulate. I mean, well founded probably. Um, and you know, Bloomberg's debate was bad because I mean, you know, again, it yeah. reinforced these concerns people have like, is this guy somebody who can appeal, um, to a broad swath of Americans? And boy, that district didn't look like it. Right. right. Um, but yeah, it's not so much about the debate itself as, you know, kind of what the media takes from it. Yeah. And emphasizes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bloomberg example is weird too, because that's the first <laughs> time he was really on the national yeah. stage, not yeah. counting his yeah. like, millions of dollars worth of appearances, right? right? right. And so, you yep. know, had he been on the stage previously, you know, a sort of flat performance maybe wouldn't matter as right. much, but it's the exactly. first time Americans got a good look at him, right? Yeah. Um, to the extent they were watching, as Mick pointed out. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, so, right. you know, you can't really take that as an example of here's mm-hmm. how an average debate kind of impacts a race because it was his first one and kind of an unprecedented sort of first debate in, in a lot of ways. Right. Right. Normally, every, your first is everyone else's, at least of that cycle, right? Yes. Yeah. Here you are jumping in after months and months of debating. It's hard. So these guys, um, the debate tonight, there might be a short-term small effect. There's the potential for falling off a precipice if you commit some kind of yep. enormous gaffe. By the way, Joe Biden had a somewhat humorous gaffe today, which mm-hmm. I haven't fully read about. But apparently he said he helped negotiate the climate change convention with <laughs> Deng Xiaoping. Um nice. Another day, another bite. Who was super dead by the time they negotiated the climate change conventions. Um, So, I don't want to rule anything out. I'm just picturing Joe with his Ouija board. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of thinking like Emperor Palpatine, you know, like. Yeah. No one ever is he really, really gone? No one ever really dies. Uh, <laughs> well, that took a weird direction. Okay, so um, I don't put too much stock in those kinds of gaffes. I, I actually think, this is my take, is that, uh, and I've mentioned this before, but I actually think that focusing on the debates like this is a little bit of a drunkard search on the part of the media. Yeah. Uh, they're looking where the light is, yeah. and because it's easy to, like, the debates are media friendly. They right. sh- they're, right. All the candidates are in one place. They're re- being recorded. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's really hard to track ground game. It's really yeah. hard to track yeah. donations. Mm-hmm. And there's some things on that front that I think are really interesting. So we know who uh, Joe Biden has a pretty good ground game set up in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And even oh. if he stumbles in the debate, in theory, that ground game should mean something. Bernie right. Sanders has a national uh, um campaign that's, that's right. well uh, organized, organized, including in South Carolina. Yeah. Others don't. Uh, some of the candidates are running low on money. Right. Elizabeth Warren was running low on money into her debate performance prior in, in prior to the caucuses in Nevada. She didn't do well in Nevada, but in some ways, Elizabeth Warren could say uh, this last couple of weeks has actually been a good sequence for her right. because she's gotten a lot more money and a lot more donations in the last yeah. couple of weeks, which is probably going to keep her campaign afloat. Cool. Yeah, and that's uh, um, oh, oh, all yeah, uh, I was going to say is an interesting thing, you know, in sort of today's campaign world is that it used to be the case that sort of, you know, once 
you're perceived by sort of elite donors to not be viable, your campaign funds dried up. But as long as you have, you know, people out there who are willing to click right. a button to support you, you know, you can you can stay alive longer than mm-hmm. you used to. And that's why I st- you still have people like, you know, Warren um, and mm-hmm. Amy Klobuchar, um, you know, continuing to truck along, even though sort of their, their theory of the case for actually <laughs> winning even close to plurality is, 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 is not good at all. But they can still no. keep going because they still have campaign funds coming in yeah i was gonna say you know um i i I, chris you're you're obviously totally right about the lack of organization for some of the candidates but i will say this amy klobuchar has at least one very devoted fan here in aiken okay um, (laughs) which i will say is which i will say is not me i do not do this but they went through and like (laughs) put up amy signs everywhere one day like i drove into work and there was just amy signs all up and down the road all over the place and then by the time i went into work today they were just totally gone (laughs) oh so easy come easy go because as you said bernie uh, and biden are well organized (laughs) exactly exactly uh but 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 amy does you know klobuchar does have at least one really devoted really devoted fan here in aiken or a paid staffer (laughs) yeah well that's true yes some college kids. I didn't say why they were that. devoted. That's right. That's <laughs> they right. might be devoted because of the paycheck, but yep. <laughs> so many reasons. Uh, Max Weber. Okay, um, <laughs> let's uh, let's turn ahead here. So let let's assume kind of the. Con- I have a couple of pieces of conventional wisdom to pitch at you guys, um, and let's start with conventional wisdom. P- uh, point one, which is the. I thought long- you were going to say Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, like, P- where are you going? <laughs> Um, thank you for my stutter. Uh, the, the conventional wisdom point one is this. The longer more of these candidates stay in the race, the more this helps Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders really only has Elizabeth Warren as the other far left progressive in his lane. And she's really tacking to be a more of a pragmatic progressive mm-hmm. than Bernie is. So as long as Buttigieg and Klobuchar and Biden and um, and Warren, even to a certain extent, and anybody else are sort of stealing votes from each other, to say nothing of Bloomberg, mm-hmm. Biden sort of – I'm sorry, uh, Bernie sort of has this clear path to nomination. Even if he's not getting majorities, he's getting pluralities. Yep. This is sort of a version of Trump in 2016. Yep. Um, do you agree with that conventional wisdom? I mean, in the broad outlines, yes, right? I mean, because I – mean, I mean, you know, Bernie Sanders has, you know, the the hard left sewn up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but everyone else is is vying for all these different, you know, other groups, right? And mm-hmm. they're in more competition with each other than with Sanders, right? And mm-hmm. and that was, you know, part of the reason that you know Trump ultimately, yeah. you know, sealed up the Republican. Uh, the Republican uh, primary, right? Because there were so many other candidates that were competing to, you know, be the candidate who won other than Trump, right? Um, But they all stayed in the race too long and that prevented them from being able to sort of accumulate enough delegates um, and to get sort of enough momentum. And I think, you know, especially if you don't have any dropouts before Super Tuesday, which at this point, I don't see that happening unless everyone flames out in South Carolina. Like, I think you're going to see a similar trend. Well, that leads me to conventional po- uh, wisdom point two, which is that because of the way this race is shaping up, nobody will drop after South Carolina. Everyone will either charge or limp into Super Tuesday. Do you agree with that conventional wisdom? Or will we see someone get out of the race after South Carolina? I think I, I, I think there are two things. I think on the one hand, and t- directly answering your question, I think for the most part, people will stay in. But I do think the exception to that might be Joe Biden. 
Oh, um, okay. If Biden if Biden loses here in South Carolina, I I really have troubles imagining him continuing. Yeah. Um, it would be I I uh, he might, but my, I I just I imagine that at some point, uh, you know, his his pride and desire to not just you know get absolutely smeared right. throughout this entire process is going to take over. And if he loses in South Carolina, I mean, I I think the the handwriting is you know basically neon neon writing on the wall here yeah, that, yeah. that he's done yeah. um so i wouldn't be surprised if that happens now i i don't think that's going to happen i actually think he's probably going to eke out a win um here although i guess that's all contingent on what happens tonight right. to some degree if you, yeah. get, you know if there's little bounces that move things around but right. uh but there is that the other thing I, and i think i i wonder and and i i, I agree in broad strokes that um you know, that there probably are certain, you know, I, I guess, you know, people use the word lanes or whatever for the, uh, for the candidates. But I do, I do wonder, and I think this started, I think we saw some of this with Trump too. I, 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 it doesn't always seem clear that people necessarily s- sort of stay in their lane, if you right. will. Right. <laughs> um, and I think especially now that voting has happened and now that we're really getting into the teeth of the actual, primary i think it's much more likely that people start to shift just to who they perceive to be a winner or you know who you know and sort of bandwagoning Mm -hmm. uh on there and so even if uh you know Buttigieg or klobuchar or biden get out i'm not sure that that necessarily helps you know the other people who are necessarily right Mm -hmm. you know right right by them you know i could easily see um, you know, I don't think he will, but you know, if Buttigieg bailed, um, you know, he's probably attracting, and you know, well, in fact, I think, you know, we've got data on this. I mean, he's, he's attracting a lot of, um, somewhat younger, um, right. but also a very white crowd. But that also happens to be a group that is oftentimes, you know, they might look around at the field and say, oh, do I go to, you know, Joe Biden or do I go to Bernie Sanders? And I right, think right. there's plenty of people in that crew that might look around and say, oh, I, you know, I'm yeah. going to. I'm going to Bernie Sanders. So, yeah. anyway, but uh, so yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that everyone will be will be in. I think Biden's a, a wild card, but but who knows? Yeah, I just to uh, kind of riff a little bit on on Mitch's point, um, which I think is a good one, is that mm-hmm. you know a lot of you know people in the electorate, um, especially the people who aren't you know super gung ho about politics and don't pay a lot of attention. Um, and, and, you know, this is something that people in the media and political scientists tend to forget. Most people aren't super ideological, right? So they're not necessarily viewing candidates through a purely ideological lens and making a decision based off of like, well, I consider myself a moderate. So right. I'm going to choose right. who the moderate candidate is, mm-hmm. or I consider myself hard left. Yep. And so my man is Bernie Sanders, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're looking at the issues. They're looking at sort of the... You know, the you know sort of the identity they're looking at you know, gender and race they're they're looking at um, the the persona and how charismatic or non charismatic they are right. and and those are the things they're taking into account not necessarily sort of you know placing themselves on an ideological spectrum closest to <laughs> closest to you know a particular candidate that's not how most people work um, and and right. that sort of befuddles our attempts to try to predict I think. Um, how exactly um, support is going to shift when certain candidates bow out. Right, right. It's more of a gut feel. How do you feel about people? And I think it, it does, you're right, it incorporates all those kind of factors, but it is more about 
you know, sort of their their perception. I mean, like, if you want to think about it this way, it's more like a personal relationship with someone than like sort of assessing which loan to take, right? I mean, that's, the loan is kind of straightforward. Like there's certain numbers like, okay, clearly this is the best deal. I'll go with that, right? Um, but this is more like, how do I feel about this mm-hmm. person? And I think there's a lot of that in the way voters choose. Mm-hmm. And it makes it makes it hard to measure because, you know, like if you are a Biden supporter, I mean, do you, how do you feel about Bernie Sanders or Pete Buttigieg? Buttigieg might seem the more logical place to go if Biden gets out, but it doesn't mean people will actually go there. Yeah. And I mean, there's yeah. lots of, you know, literature on public opinion that says yep. things along the lines of people don't think sort of, you know, they, they're not cold, hard, calculating right. sort of rationalists. Right. They're using <laughs> their intuition, right? right. Um, they're yep. using their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking at mm-hmm. impressions and they're yep. casting judgments oftentimes, you yep. know, on the spot, yep. um, you know, in favor of a particular issue or yeah. a candidate, right? And they can be partisans without being ideologues, right? Yeah. Yep. So you might not be able to articulate the fundamental nature of American conservatism, mm-hmm. but you can say I'm a Republican very reliably mm-hmm. and vice versa. So that's the second piece of conventional wisdom. I want to throw one more piece of conventional right. wisdom at you. This is political science conventional wisdom here. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I, um, again, I'm myself in trouble because I'm the IR guy here, so I don't know <laughs> anything. So tell me why I'm wrong here. Right. I always hear from all my Americanist friends and my comparativist friends too, Professor Bramson, yeah. that the party decides. But this race is shaping up to be a refutation of that. Clearly, the Democratic Party does not want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee. And yet, because of the confluence of the interests of the various more moderate candidates who are running and the party's own selections uh, Mm -hmm. process, Mm -hmm. he has the frontrunner status. Is Is this election a refutation of the notion the party decides? Uh, I mean... Sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Um, I I think I think to some degree the party decides has been um, to some degree fraying uh, for a yeah. while. Okay. <laughs> um, and I mean, in particular, I mean, if nothing else, I mean, 2016 certainly oh, yeah. showed that uh, that you know this this yeah. this this doesn't always take place. Um, Donald Trump was definitely not the party's choice. Um, Although he certainly and, is now. Well, he certainly is now. Right, which they is, consolidate which is, them after a while. Right. right. But uh, but but he certainly wasn't uh, in 2016, sure. and uh, and 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 you can kind of go back, and there are, you know, there 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 have been some other examples where um, where the party, and I think especially for the Democrats, actually, I think the Democratic Party especially has had trouble, uh, you know, always getting the candidate that they actually want. Like McGovern, um, for example. <laughs> yeah, McGovern is probably the one that immediately springs to mind. Um, and even it's you know it's it's not entirely clear that uh, you know in two thousand eight that uh, that Obama was really the party's choice either. Mm. Um, you know he was kind of the new uh, upstart candidate at that point, and Hillary Clinton was the established right. Um, right. you know veteran. And um, so at any rate, you know there's there there are there are um, yeah. And I think in addition to that, I mean, as you know, and I think, you know, I think, I actually think you all have talked about this some, I mean, the, the party has limited tools to actually make this happen. Um, you know, I mean, they, they can try to influence the rules around the debates and, uh, you know, some of the rules in terms of, uh, you know, just, just how, um, how, how the delegates are allocated and things like that. But, um, but at the end of the day, I mean, they cannot, they don't have that much control over how people vote and what candidates start to gain steam and things like that. So it can be, it can be tricky for them to actually 
keep a lid on on what's happening. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you think back to 2016 on the Democratic side too, I mean, just the perception that you know the party deciding kind of mechanism was in the tank for Hillary Clinton, and that they were trying to manipulate things in her in her on her behalf, and then she did, of course, win the nomination and lose the election. Right? Has made their you know their their influence even less. Right? I mean, because it's even harder to do any kind of intervening. Um, now, because it's just seen with great suspicion. I mean, this didn't work out well. Um, it was perceived very badly. Yeah, and then the you know, and you alluded to this earlier, Chris, and the, sort of the flip side of this is that you know the party doesn't decide who their candidate is going to be, but inevitably, whoever becomes president yep. does tend to affect the direction that their party takes. Right? Absolutely, and you can look at you know, I mean, almost every modern president and see how. Even if the party wasn't on board with them initially, um, in some cases, wasn't, you know, opposed them, right? Right. Eventually, for the most part, there's exceptions. They are able to sort of rally the support of, you know, the rank and file party members. I mean, not just, you know, in, in, you know, Congress, for example, Mm -hmm. but also in the electorate um, because we have – you know, this two-party system um, in which, you know, you have to line yourself with whichever side is most, lo- most you know, closely approximates your your views and your goals of politics, right? Mm-hmm. And so that means, you know, you have to align to some extent, um, you know, with, with your president if you belong to that party, right? Um, and so you see, you know, the party not deciding um, and the party instead consolidating mm-hmm. around right. the president in the long run. On, right. on, for both Democrats and Republicans. Right. So if we, if we do have a year from now President Bernie Sanders, right, I mean, you would expect, however reluctant the Democrats are about him, um, you'd expect them to start doing that. And then mm-hmm. that shapes, you know, what kind of Democratic Party we have in 2024 or 2028 and beyond. Yep. All right, gents. One more uh, item um, before we have to sign off here. Um, as we look ahead past South Carolina and to Super Tuesday, which whereas we really do start to uh, d- um, award a lot of delegates, uh, about a third, right? About yep. a third of all the delegates mm-hmm. get awarded on yep. Super Tuesday. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. What's something as a political scientist you're going to be paying attention to over the process of Super Tuesday that maybe listeners also ought to be paying attention to? We're all thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess I'll I'll throw out here. I want to pay attention to where candidates spend their time Mm -hmm. um, amongst the various states that are up. up. I mean, the kind of conventional wisdom again, which I guess is my mantra for this uh, podcast, is that somebody like uh, Klobuchar is going to head to Minnesota. And uh, the Dakotas as uh, you know, to try to make sure she can win a couple of states. She needs to win her home state uh, to maintain viability. And somebody like Bernie, who might be in the lead, might run out to California um, and try to yep. win a really big prize by winning Cal- by, by making sure he wins California. Yep. But um, I, that's what I'm paying attention to is where do the candidates go in advance of Super Tuesday? Yeah, and the more interesting ones are the ones. I mean, like I, much as I like Amy Klobuchar in this field, right? As I think she's in some ways the best prepared of them all to be a, a good governing president. Um, I don't think her chances are. You know, I think they're minuscule at best at this point. So it's more interesting to me, like, what if if Joe Biden wins South Carolina? Where does he go? Like, where does he spend those last few days? Um, where does Bloomberg go? Right? Because these are people who still seem to have some real shot at actually possibly challenging Sanders. I'm getting more mm. and more skeptical, but but possibly. Um, and or Buttigieg. I mean, where does where do they go? Right. Yeah. I mean, the weird thing is, you know, it was 
not really important because, again, the, the Democratic primary is not awarding delegates through a winner-take-all system. Like, right. if I win right. the most votes in this state, I get all the state's right. delegates. It's right. not like the Electoral College. Right. right. And not um, like the Republican primaries. Well, not, yeah, not like the Republican primaries. So, you know, Sanders can go in and win, you know, do 50% in California. He gets a, just a huge delegate load, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he's an actual fit in some ways with yep. California yep. politics. Yep. And he if he wins just, you know, half of California, he already is ahead of Amy Klobuchar if she completely mops up North Dakota and Minnesota, right? right. So you have to look at, you know, I mean, where, where they spend time matters, but... But it matters less, I think, because we don't have a winner-take-all system. What's important coming out of Super Tuesday is, you know, how many delegates have they won and what's yeah. their overall performance. And that's why I would say I'm, I'm feeling less and less confident anyone can actually stop Sanders because it's right. the, the difficulty with that at this point is Sanders is so well-positioned to continue getting at least 25 30% most places, exactly. which means he's going to get a nice delegate load. Yep. He's going to win some places. Um, so... It's it's a it's a real challenge. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure the Democrats can actually stop them at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think one thing to watch, and this is um, something I think particularly to watch after South Carolina, or maybe even after the debate tonight, mm-hmm. is just to see uh, if if the endorsement uh, battle kind of changes to some degree. Oh, yeah. um, you know, we just yeah. talked about the party deciding. I guess that's the one other tool the parties have um, is essentially the endorsements, and it'll be interesting to see if. Um, you know, if the, if, if the party insiders who don't want Biden get spooked, it'll be interesting to see if there's sort of a, uh, you know, a huge load of them that try to simultaneously endorse Biden or Buttigieg or whoever they think might be the best to, to take out Sanders after, after South Carolina. Like Clyburn Um, just did in South Carolina, right? Exactly. Exactly. He's going to wait until after the. After the debate, right? Okay. He's going to wait until but Wednesday. But they've already yeah. announced but, it's going to happen, right? Okay. So, yeah. Right. He's he's yeah. he's well. I think I think he's he's probably waiting to make sure that uh, oh, you know okay. Biden doesn't doesn't embarrass him. <laughs> um, but uh, but well, assuming he doesn't get embarrassed, assuming he doesn't embarrass him, um, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's the foregone conclusion. But it, so it'll be interesting to see uh, you know where where some of those go because a lot of people have been keeping their powder dry. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, there hasn't been yep. the um, right. you know mother load of of endorsements here yet, and um, and it, so it'll be interesting to see if that if that changes after South Carolina, because yeah. obviously yeah. If, you, know, you can't wait much longer um, after that, or things really do start to get real after Super, you know, leading up to Super Tuesday. So right, yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, if if Biden, you know, cleanly wins South Carolina, he could get a truckload of endorsements, and that might yeah. matter enough mm-hmm. in time for Tuesday, <laughs> but it might Maybe. not. It yeah. could induce a cascade effect, like we don't think like we're going to drop out before. South Carolina, but if Biden wins South Carolina convincingly and endorsements swing his way, which could also swing a lot more cash and donations his way, you may see somebody like um, Bloomberg get out of the race. You may see somebody like Certainly, people like Klobuchar. Or yeah, Bloomberg's under Super race. Tuesday. I mean, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm thinking after Super Tuesday okay, here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Now, I don't think. I think Mitch is right. I, mean, I don't think anybody other than possibly Biden's out before Super Tuesday. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, if Biden loses South Carolina, he is done, and I think he might acknowledge it mm-hmm. and get out. But we'll see. So. All right, guys. We got a fun week ahead of us here. One more yeah. question. Uh, <laughs> Mitch, you're off the hook for this. Any predictions on the Bethel presidency? <laughs> well, this is super inside baseball for our listeners. Yeah, uh, not, Bethel is about to name a new president on Thursday. There is a person. We just don't know who it is yet. It's the best kept secret in my time at Bethel here. It's pretty great. <laughs> it Sam, you got, you got a pick? 
I don't. I'm holding my cards close to my vest on this one. Are you going to endorse like, after the announce? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see who it is. Okay. All right. Uh, well, it's not going to be Hosni Mubarak, um, the longtime dictator. Oh, that's true. Egypt Farewell, Hosni. died um, at the age of 91. So he was supposed to be dying... Actually, right after the he was he scheduled to die. Well, according <laughs> like according to insiders, like he's dying wow. of cancer. You should not try to send him to jail. And he survived almost another decade after that. But um, <laughs> he didn't get out of jail in 2017, so he died in, in with freedom um, more so than he gave many of his speech. But just to be fair, um, I'm not sure he was a candidate even <laughs> if he was alive. I don't think he was on the short list. Um, okay. you know, like we'll just start with. The fact that he's Muslim. To be fair, um, though, an excellent <laughs> fundraiser. Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, he was able to get a lot of money, especially out of the United States, for yeah. the military. Um, so I look yeah, forward to yeah. the arms deals that Bethel would receive under Hazi Mubarak. <laughs> yeah, he would have definitely checked the fundraising box. I'm not sure he checked any of the other boxes no, that our committee was prioritizing. I don't believe he was uh, a devout Christian. Uh, uh, not so much. No. 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 All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Mitch, thank you so much for, for calling in with us. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, We'll probably, uh, we'll hopefully check in back with you um, at some point in the future here as we cruise towards the November 2020 elections. That's right. Um, You can always get in touch with us at live uh, live from ACSEC. No, I always do this, Sam. Uh, (laughs) At electionshocktherapy (laughs) at gmail.com and um, at channel3900 at gmail.com too. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, We'll be back in your feed next week. But until we are, thanks for listening. And go Royals. Oh.